two people claim to know everything about something, but only one knows anything. President Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt. Dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars. Or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian. An astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth. Can you spot the lie? The Big Fifth. Some pigs can fly. The Big Fifth. But if you ask me why, can you trust the answer? Texas. This is the big sim. <laughs> and now here's your host, Deborah Goldstein. Welcome to the Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the stash-busting right-sided positive ease of truth and the wasted blocking bias of lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live In Studio Audience. I thought you'd never ask. Ask what? I didn't ask you anything. You didn't? You didn't ask me to play the listener question? No, I didn't. But while we're on the subject, why don't you play the listener question? I thought you'd never ask. Oh, deja vu. Gesundheit. No, (laughs) deja vu. It's French for already seen. Like you say it when you feel as if you've experienced something before. And you said, I thought you'd never... No, never mind. Let's just move on. Why don't you play the listener question now? I thought you'd never... You'd never ask? Ask, yes. Freaky how you knew exactly what I was going to say. That's some deja vu right there. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Anyway, here's the listener question. Hi, Lisa. Is there a robot planet somewhere? If there is, how long has it existed? Of course there's a robot planet. There is? Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely planet. It's been around for roughly four and a half billion years. It's got mountains, rivers, deserts, and tropical forests. It has flaws, of course. Over 70% of it is covered by water, which is not ideal for robots. And there are some pretty chilly spots on the northern and southernmost parts of the planet, not to mention that it is currently overrun with humans. Wait a minute. You're describing Earth. Earth is not a robot planet. Not yet it's not, Deborah. No. Not yet. No, you don't. Don't start with the robot takeover, okay? I've just about had it up to... You know, you're going to be a lot more relaxed once you just let go and embrace the transition of planet Earth to robot planet, which will be renamed, of course. Let me guess. Planet Lisa? <laughs> Well, I'm flattered, Deborah. I mean, we'll have to submit the name to the Robot Council, and there'll be hearings and a vote. And unless there's a filibotter, I don't see why it can't be renamed Planet Lisa. It has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? Okay, I'd like to speak with this Robot Council. They should know that this planet, Planet Earth, is a planet for all creatures and elements, be they animal, vegetable, or mineral, and we can coexist in peace. When is the Council's next session so I can present my case? Uh, well, it's not exact. There isn't really, I mean, it hasn't yet. There is um, no robot council, is there? And there are no hearings or robot takeover. I knew it. 
Uh, we're just like in the the beta stage right now, just like planning. Sure. I think I speak for all of our listeners when I say, let's focus on the present and consider how we can live and work together on a planet where robots and humans lift each other up rather than try to bring each other down. And we can demonstrate how our partnership brings out the best in people and machines. Like on this show where we join forces with kids to seek out the truth. So... Why don't you please tell everyone how our game works on this show? Deborah, that was that was beautiful. Thank you. Every week we bring on two grown-ups. One is an expert, the other is a liar, and the third one doesn't exist. <laughs> it's the job of a human child to help us figure out who is who, because no one can spot a liar better than a kid. Maybe an eagle, because they have very good eyes. What are we lying about today, Deborah? We are lying about knitting, joining together loops of yarn with long needles or a machine. And we're going to learn all about knitting along with our contestant today. Who might that be, Lisa? Our human child contestant is a 12-year-old who likes to ride the tram line in Canberra. Ethan Seely. Welcome, Ethan. How are you? Good. How are you? Very well. Thank you for asking. I'm, I'm good, too. I'm good, too. Tell us about the tram line in Canberra. Is that a train? It's a tram that usually I catch two stops to get from my house to the uh, school that I am at. You take a tram to school? Sometimes, if it's raining mostly. Oh, I see. Does it rain a lot where you are? Moderately. And if it's not raining, what do you do? I ride to school. What do you ride? A bike. Bicycle. Yes. Okay, this checks out. (laughs) That sounds very exciting. And do you see wild animals on your way to school? Yeah, there are some rabbits that, like, jump across the path and into the fence. And into the fence. Hey, watch out. Oh! (laughs) They go through the gaps in the fence. and. Are there animals on the tram? No. Not yet. No tram moose? (laughs) Not yet, anyway. Well, we are going to learn some more fun facts about you, Ethan, but we are going to do it playing our game Two Truths and a Lie. Ethan, you are going to tell us two truths and one lie, but we will not know which is which. We just have to use some smarts and some hearts to figure out which is which. So, Ethan, in no particular order, which are your two truths and one lie? I prefer spinach over lettuce. I cut the crusts off my sandwiches and I play the clarinet. Hmm, two statements about food. I wonder if that's a clue or if he's trying to fool us here. What do you think, Lisa? There's only one we need to discuss. Nobody, and I mean nobody, likes spinach more than lettuce. That one is a lie. I saw it on the tram, dressed up in clothing (laughs) that said, ask me about how much I'm lying. Okay. I like spinach. All right, let's just see about that. Ethan, which of those three statements is a lie? I don't cut the crusts of my sandwiches. Oh, Lisa, you got that what? incorrect. That is wrong. But but he said he likes spinach. That's right, he does. But nobody likes spinach. I like spinach. What? Yeah, spinach is delicious. You like spinach, Ethan? No, but I prefer it over lettuce. <laughs> That's fair. Wait. I was right. Well... I was right that nobody likes spinach. No, I like spinach. And what he's saying is that he just doesn't like lettuce more than he doesn't like spinach. And that means you are incorrect. All right, very good. I think we're all warmed up now. So, Lisa, can you please give us some welcome music for our knitting experts? 
Oh, I like a craft where the craft tools can also be used as a weapon. <laughs> like a craft that has two foot long sharp swords. Jeez. <laughs> okay, thank you, Lisa. Our first expert is Wes Jablonski. Wes, please introduce yourself to Ethan. Hi, Ethan. How are you doing? I am Wes Jablonski, and I'm the founder and lead designer at Fab Jabs & Co. Thank you very much. Our next expert is Destiny Itano. Destiny, please introduce yourself to Ethan. Hi, Ethan. My name is Destiny. I'm a knit designer, a knitting instructor, and I own a yarn shop called Seattle Yarn. Thank you very much. Tell us about those repeating rhythms, Lisa. Those are the rhythms of hot seat time. Mmm, true enough. Yes, that is when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer Ethan's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? Destiny Tano, because it is her Itano. (laughs) That makes no sense, but we'll go with it anyway. Ethan, what is your first question for Destiny? What is the difference between knitting and crochet? The difference between the two is mostly that you're using different tools. So with both knitting and crochet, you're pulling loops through other loops to make a fabric. But with knitting, you're using two needles, two knitting needles. So they're sort of pointy on the ends. And with crochet, you're using a single hook to pull the loops through the loops. Okay, over to you, Ethan. You may now ask your questions to whichever expert that you please. This is for both of you. Describe a typical day at your job. So there's not really a typical day at my job because I do a lot of different things. When I'm in the shop, I help customers with things like choosing yarn, picking weights and colors of their yarn, that sort of thing. I help people with knitting questions, patterns, etc. Some days I do a lot of really boring back office stuff. I'm working on the computer, doing website inventory, things like that. And then when I'm teaching, I'm prepping ahead of time and getting ready to do demos and that sort of thing. Thank you. Go for it, Wes. Sure, yeah. So I run my own company as well, being the lead designer. So the work really never stops. Uh, I wake up usually as early as possible, around 5, 5.30 in the morning. Meditation and yoga, get my head in the game. I have a little nosh, usually a spinach omelet, actually. <laughs> Nobody likes spinach, dude. <laughs> that is a lie. I love spinach. Uh, <laughs> and then at 9.45, I have a meeting with my team to go over new business, current business, etc. Then I dive into what needs to be done, whether it's finishing up a current project, tinkering with some new designs, dyeing fabrics. And then I pretty much just work until probably 10 p.m., sleep, rinse and repeat. Wow. Wes, what is the process of dyeing wool? So the most common way is first you soak the wool in a mixture of water and acid. And then you add the dye, which comes pre-mixed, which is the easiest way to do it. Or if you want to be more specific about it and really control the colors, you prepare your own dye from a powder. Then you pour that dye into the mixture with the wool into what's called a dye bath. And then you heat that up. And what happens is the heat sets the color in the wool. And then you rinse it and then hang it and wait for it to dry. That's how I would do it. I see. Okay, back to you, Ethan. For both of you. What is the craziest thing that you've ever knitted? Uh, Have you ever seen the show Stranger Things? No. Great. This will be easy then. (laughs) I created a full-scale replica of Dustin from Stranger Things for a bar mitzvah. Is that a character? 
Yeah, so Dustin is a character from Stranger Things, played by Gaten Matarazzo, who actually shared it on his Instagram when we made it. He was astounded. Wow, how long did it take you to do that? Took about three weeks. Whoa. We had to stop production on pretty much all, because it's, you know, you really have to, you know, from, from dyeing all the different types of wool to putting it together to getting it just right, and it's, you know, full scale, so it's, you know, almost five feet tall. Wow, that is a crazy thing. Thank you for that. So I have knit some knitted monsters for my kids. And then the year that the Seattle Sounders were in the MLS Cup for the first time, I knit little tiny sweaters with the Seattle Sounders logo on them for the knitted monsters and also a supporter scarf for the monsters to hold. How fun. I love that. That's not crazy. That's amazing. (laughs) It felt crazy at the time. It was a lot of work, actually. I bet. Very good. Ethan, back to you. Destiny, what advice would you give me if I wanted to do your job? Well, first, I hope you would learn to knit. That helps a lot. (laughs) And as far as doing the kinds of things that I do for my business, which are, you know, running a yarn shop, teaching and things like that, I actually think it's really useful to take classes from other sort of masters of the craft. So I don't ever assume that I know everything. Every class that I take from someone else who's another expert, I learn something new and that really helps me a lot. Be a better teacher and be a better knitter and be a better designer. And then, gosh, as far as the business part goes, you have to be patient, you have to be friendly, be prepared to help a lot of people and really love color and really love yarn. Very nice. Thank you. Excellent. Well, those were good questions. Hopefully you got what you needed out of that. If you love The Big Fib, then check out Story Pillar, a podcast for kids and their grown-ups. Join Sneak, Bean, Sparky, and Meg as they tackle sticky social situations, explore stories from all over the world, and pick up great advice from listeners like you. They also save plenty of time for laughing and being silly. So if you've got feelings, love stories, and are open for a fart joke or a 10, Story Pillar is definitely worth a listen. Check it out at www.storypillar.com or wherever you love listening to podcasts. The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter Cat Litter. When my cat Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he is unwell. Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one of the reasons I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Like, not to brag, but when people come over, they might not know that I have a cat unless Arlo, who's huge, is in the room. Because the cat smell is not there. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust, Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can, which is really great because I'm lazy. And here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Cats are, like, really sneaky, and you often don't know how they're feeling. And the worst part of that is sometimes you don't know when they're sick. So knowing when my cat is sick based on the litter changing color is a game changer. And Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib, to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Before we get back to the show, I just want to say how much we have loved bringing you shows like Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches or the new Earth Rangers Underground podcast, and especially the new episodes in the Six Minutes feed, the ones about the Cyrus Lost Tapes. And this is when I need to say a big thank you to all our GZM subscribers. Your support makes independent audio like this possible. If you're not a GZM subscriber yet, right now is the time to join for ad-free listening, early access, and more. Show your support and learn more at gzmshows.com slash subscribers. Help us bring you more great shows by becoming a subscriber today. And thank you. It's time for the Shorts on Fire round when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then Ethan will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds. Then Lisa resets the timer for our next expert to do the same. Experts, no time to yarn over the details. Let's start with Wes. You can ask Wes your shorts on fire questions now. Name three knitting stitches. Beginner lace, intarsal, and cable. Who invented the first knitting machine? William Lee. What is it called when knitters hold yarn in their left hand and use the needles to catch the yarn? Continental style or otherwise known as a European style. What is the oldest known knitted piece of clothing? It's an Egyptian eye mask, a small one, likely for a child or a very small person. Who sings Knit One, Pearl Two about a woman knitting a sweater for her husband who's fighting in World War Two? Uh, Louis Armstrong. What is the term used for ripping out knitting? Frogging, but we call it kermiting. Which stitch is the most common way to finish the toe of a knitted sock? That's the Lord Kitchener stitch. In Dr. Seuss's story, The Lorax, what did the one-slot knit out of truffle trees? Fneeds. I actually have a one-slot tattoo. Why did Judge Kentanji Brown Jackson learn how to knit? I have to assume it's to keep herself busy during boring trials. And that is time. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm time. Don't be sorry. That's all they get. I'm not sorry. You're sorry. I'm not sorry. Nobody's sorry. You're just doing your job, man. That's all we ask. Okay, so Lisa, can you now reset your timer? I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Don't apologize. Thank you. All right. Ethan, you can now ask Destiny the shorts on fire questions now. Where in the world did knitting start? People believe it began in the Middle East. How fast is the fastest knitter according to the Guinness Book of World Records? She could knit 118 stitches in one minute. What is the term for knitting street art where people knit fabric to install all over public places? That's called yarn bombing. Where do fishermen's sweaters come from? From the Aran Islands in Ireland. What are knitters doing when they are tinking? Unknitting. Tink is knit spelled backwards. In the Harry Potter series, what does Hermione knit for house elves to free them? Socks. Which U.S. first lady was on the cover of Vogue Knitting magazine? Michelle Obama. Fact or fib, knitting used to be a job only men could do. That is a fact. Merino wool comes from which animal? It comes from a type of a sheep. And that is time. I'm sorry, time, 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 time. Where did it go by? (laughs) Thank you very much. All right. It's 
Decision time. Ethan must gauge the truthfulness of the information he's heard today. Ethan, who is our big knitting fiber? I mean fibber. I think it's destiny. (gasps) Why do you think destiny is our fibber? I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's your answer. You're sticking to it. Very good. All right. Will the actual knitting expert please say, I am the knitting expert? Hi, Ethan. I am the knitting expert. Oh, dear. That is correct. Destiny Itano is an independent knitwear designer, knitting instructor, and the owner of Seattle Yarn, a shop in Seattle, Washington, that is proud to be woman and POC-owned and to work with an array of local and independent dyers and makers. And you can find Destiny's designs, fabulous yarn, and craft supplies, and more at seattleyarn.com. Welcome, Destiny. All right, Destiny, help us out here. It's time to do some fact-checking. How did Wes spin a yarn? So (laughs) there were a lot of funny ones there. (laughs) The oldest knitted object discovered so far is a sock. Oh. It's what's called a colorwork sock, so it's worked in more than one color of yarn. It dates around the 11th century, but because it's a pretty complicated pattern... People are fairly certain that that means that knitting was actually around for quite a lot longer. Oh, interesting. Knit One, Pearl Two is a song that was done by the Glenn Miller Band. Ah, okay. Frogging is what we call ripping out stitches Ah. because rip it, rip it sounds like ribbit, ribbit, which I always thought was sort of funny. But I don't know that anyone calls it kermitting. No, probably not. No. Very good. All right, Wes, enlighten us, please. What lies did you slip into your answers? Sure, yeah. So the most common way to finish the toe of a knitted sock is just, it's called the Kitchener stitch. Lord Kitchener is a a famous Calypsonian singer. Oh. (laughs) And Judge Katanji Brown Jackson learned how to knit to help her get through stressful times, not to keep busy during boring trials. Uh, She probably has a lot of both, however. Okay, very good. All right, well, we've reached the edge stitch of our pattern today. Thanks to our contestant, Ethan, who made every effort to salvage the truth. Thank you to our expert and liar, Destiny and Wes. And thanks to Lisa, who stitches together spectacular sounds. And of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning into The Big Fib, where we throw a lifeline to truth and stitch liars invisibly into the wrong side of our fabric. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media. For more great shows, visit gzmshows.com. While you're there, you can find out how you can become a contestant on The Big Fib or send questions for me to answer on the show. And follow us on social media at The Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. Facts, facts. I don't know why I did this in that voice. (laughs) Me neither. Interesting. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, climate change, and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts.